Hello, it's Bookbinding Podcast, and uh, uh, today our guest is uh, uh, Rachel Wardsale. She's a bookbinder with uh, many years of experience. She's uh, currently the president and the chair of uh, Designer Bookbinders uh, Society in the United Kingdom. And uh, she was one of uh, six uh, bookbinders who made uh, special bindings for this year's shortlisted books for the Booker Prize. Her binding was uh, a book by an author from uh, Zimbabwe, Tsitsi Dangaremma, and the book was uh, The Marnable Body. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Stefan. <laughs> Nice to meet you. Nice to see you in almost real life. <laughs> yes. Closest we'll get for now, yeah. Yeah, and uh, my co-host uh, from Moscow is uh, Pavel Voronin. Hi, Pavel. Hi, everyone. Hello. Pavel had some questions uh, uh, to ask you, and uh, I guess mm -hmm. after that we will proceed with mm -hmm. I thought a nice introduction to the, uh, this talk would be to talk about uh, the terms. You're a president of Designer Bookbinders, and you're a Designer Bookbinder yourself. And this term, I'd say, has been somewhat overused to the point that it became it becomes nebulous and uh, could mean all, almost anything. But still, for me, uh, uh, Designer Bookbinding is something that has a somewhat streamlined aesthetic and that is not overly complicated so that it could be reproduced in some numbers by a, 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 a small bookbinding uh, practice. But how do you see what designer bookbinding is? The term that I prefer for designer bookbinding is a one-off unique piece. There are binderies who do short runs. Um, that tends to be considered more fine binding, um, but true design book binding, as I use the term, is it's a, a one-off, a unique piece, which the binder designs and then executes themselves. That's my interpretation of it. So for you, the, uh, it's key that the, uh, the binding is designed and implemented by the same person. So it's one, one vision uh, throughout. Yes, yeah. Um, some binders do get other people to do parts. Edge gilding is, you know, the usual one, maybe metalwork pieces or something. But yes, it should be the design and concept should be by one binder. Could you perhaps uh, then take us through your process? How did you approach this particular one-off project? Right, so here's the book. This Mournable Body by Titsi Dangaremba. So the, the story is set in Zimbabwe in 1990, post the War of Independence, and it deals with the life of the main character, Tambuzai, and her struggles to fit in in modern Zimbabwe. So read the story. Um, had to read the story quickly because, well, this year we had longer, but we don't have. So the read the book and then find the images that I can work with. So I started with jacaranda leaves, which are mentioned frequently. 
and also printed African fabrics, which the women in the story often wear. Google jacaranda trees and yeah. a picture of leaves. So then I tried out some designs using the leaves as a sample. So, so you, you, you use the leaves themselves or, or was no, it? Uh... No, I, I wouldn't know where to find a jacaranda tree in England in the winter. So it was uh, Googled images. And then your garden, I assume, uh, are, they, uh, are these uh, hand painted? Uh, right, so some of them are these are stenciled, these are rubber prints, a um, bit more rubber printing with different acrylic inks, a bit of resist dyeing and leather dye, and some more printing. Um, and then finally, uh, these are leather dye and stencils, mm -hmm. um, which I found worked best with the layering. So then I did a couple of samples in leather and decided that that worked the best. So then I enlarged my jacaranda leaf and did some took, uh, did some tracings and used mm. those to cut self adhesive stencils um, then i did a full size paper sample to see how it worked and to add um, connect my binding with the story. There's a series of coloured dots on the spine which relate to the character Tambuzai and her state of mental health throughout the book, which features a lot. So it starts with a red dot for the war and the trauma. Then there's grey and blue dots for the depression she suffers. Um, following a breakdown and stay in hospital. Uh, then there's purple and gold for a well-paid job in, as a travel guide, then a crisis, and then finally pale blue for a calm following the crisis. And the red line symbolizes the tradition of burying a baby's umbilical cord in the village of its birth to tie it to its roots um, and that's a reoccurring theme as she tries to find her place in society in modern Zimbabwe while feeling the pull of her village. Um, so then uh, a leather sample to check everything works. The red line is put in in um, very thinly paired red leather onlay. Mm -hmm. uh, for the end papers, um, it's the same stencils but just used with yeah. one colour. So that's the end papers, the edge colours are to match and finally uh, a drop back box covered in green cloth and again stenciled. This was just perfect because uh... Uh, just just a few weeks ago, we talked to a bookbinder from uh, uh, from United States, uh, uh, a 
fellow students of mine, uh, uh, we, we studied together at the American Academy of Bookbinding and uh, she sort of uh, took us through her uh, creative process and showed some notes in her workbook, uh, uh, notes mm -hmm. about uh, how she created some of the designs for her design bindings. And, uh, uh, but with your uh, show and tell, with, with this step-by-step, uh, -step, uh, uh, we, we can see this step-by-step -step process and uh, I think it's, it's very informative for uh, many people, uh, many uh, young bookbinders who want to understand the process. And uh, thank you very much for, for showing that. That's okay. Uh, do you feel yourself a part of uh, arts and crafts tr uh, tradition? Because when I looked at it, it reminded me a lot uh, uh, what uh, William Morrison and uh, his contemporaries did. They also worked uh, uh, from, uh, from, na from nature uh, to, uh, to a simplified graphic version through, se uh, through several attempts. Uh, I'd say you, uh, you work in a very similar way. I particularly like the hands-on aspect of bookbinding, so I do an awful lot of samples. Um, not so many drawings to start off with, because I find if I do too detailed drawings, I then spend too much time trying to replicate the drawing. Uh, whereas in fact it's the techniques, it's the materials and the way you use them. Um, my, I take my designs mainly from the way the materials behave. So I generally when I'm working on a binding I'll have a box full of little bits of paper and leather. Um, I pin them up on a notice board at home and edit them and so on. So there's, there's an awful lot of hands-on, much more than dry much more than drawing uh, so yeah definitely hands-on practical material based designing yeah uh, could you perhaps tell us uh, uh, a bit about what happened to the book next how was it used and where it is now um right i don't know where it is at the moment um at the it was on display um because the bookers were at online this year um, normally what happens is that the binders go to the uh, award ceremony, uh, we take the books with us, the books are put on display, um, we sit on a table with the author and the publisher uh, for the meal and the award ceremony. Um, the authors are awarded the books, then they're taken away to be put on display, usually in a shop or a gallery in London and then they're sent back to the authors. Um, this year, because nobody was at the award ceremony, we sent the books. Uh, they were put on display at the roundhouse where the uh, award ceremony was being filmed. Um, so they were displayed on plinths um, and they're going to be sent to the authors, but we don't know when they're going to get them. So. Sometimes you hear from them and sometimes you don't. Now we meet them on the night. It's nice because you can discuss the book with them. Um, they can ask you questions and you can tell them where your design came from. So that's really nice. So, but this year, no, I don't know where the book is now. <laughs> yeah, this year is, is really strange in so many ways. Mm. So that's just... Very odd. 
just something we have to live with for now. Yeah. Uh, so how, how much time did it take for you to, uh, to go through all these creative steps and to fi finish the binding after you read the book? It's generally 100 to 150 hours for a full, for a full design binding. Um, yeah. But that's generally bench time. It doesn't include playing about with bits of leather and laying awake at two in the morning trying to work out how to solve a technical issue or stuff like that. So that, that's usually 100 to 150 hours bench time, I'd say. Isn't it a bit a sad moment for you to uh, part with uh, with your creation and to send it to a different person, to a different country forever, never to see it again? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it's hard. Um, they become part of the family design bindings. They're there all the time, you know, waiting for your attention. So, yeah. yes, it is, it is hard to send, send them off. Yeah, you do get attached to them. You've used uh, uh, the word playing around with the, uh, with the design, and uh, I thought that uh, this was uh, the exact words I, uh, I used in, uh, in, uh, inside my head when I looked through your portfolio, through your books. They all look very uh, joyful and playful. Uh, is playing with the design always a part of your process? Yes. Uh, my everyday work, as you can see from my workshop is uh, rebinds, repairs, uh, case binding. Um, so the design work is a treat. Um, I do most of my design work from a, a spare bedroom at home. Um, and it's just nice just to do it mainly for yourself, to try things out, to take as long as it needs. Um, and just really push the materials uh, rather than just everything having to be, you know, down to a price or to a deadline. Um, I take a very long time doing my design work just because it's, you know, I, I do samples and I think, oh, I wonder what would happen if I did this to it and then go, but I, I quite often go back to the original design but I go off on all sorts of tangents first. Um, and often the, the samples and ideas from one binding will go on to be incorporated in another binding. Um, so you find similar things cropping up in your bindings over the years. Pushing the new materials is something we hear a lot from, uh, from bookbinders who do creative bindings or design bindings or something like that and uh, experimenting with materials and not just following the you know traditional way something that was uh, traditional for the bindings in the 18th or 19th centuries uh, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah it's it's uh, nice to see to hear once again about the pushing the materials about experimentation with uh, with the form and uh, with the materials was uh, this particular design a part of your a longer processes? I mean, has it used any elements of uh, techniques or materials or de design ideas from previous projects? Do you feel it like a part of your long-standing patterns of work? Yes, uh, I referred back to one of my bindings through the woods, um, and that used ferns, dried ferns as stencils um, so 
I airbrushed on that binding, I airbrushed over them. So this time I thought about airbrushing, but I actually wanted a bit more movement. Uh, I didn't want quite such a precise image as the airbrushing would have given. Um, looking at the African fabrics, they had a sort of directness and life about them. So by stenciling and uh, applying the leather dye with cotton wool, uh, it made it a bit more random, a bit less controlled, which I thought fitted in better with the with the subject matter and the references I was using. I also saw, uh, uh, thought it uh, reminded me of uh, the backgrounds of Rousseau's painting, you know, the, 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 uh, the primitivist surrealist, uh, uh, who used to uh, flat, flatten images of jungles which, mm. he, which he never saw. And, uh, and he also, like you in this project, worked from images Mm -hmm. uh, often and and I and I think it shows and gives an an interest an interesting feeling slightly surreal feeling to, to to the result. You can get lost in all in all these layers. Yeah, it's nice as well. The techniques with bookbinding have to be so precise. Everything has to be millimeter perfect. That it when you're doing dealing with the leather it's actually quite nice to have one or two areas where you can really leave it to chance um, when dyeing with leather you're never quite sure you might just hit one piece of leather with a blemish in the skin and then the leather dye can go off for a strain you know different colors different angles you're not quite sure what you're going to get um, so I, I like that. It's quite a nice contrast to the technical perfection that you need to have as a bookbinder. Thank you very much for, for this talk. I really hope you join us again. Uh, this was fascinating and, and really nice to meet you. Thank you. And you. We definitely wanted to ask you about your other work and to see your workshop if you're ready to show it. And uh, yeah. Talk about the designer bookbinders uh, as as an institution and uh, its its goals and uh, mm -hmm. um, as, as as well as your teaching and work with the crafts council. That all sounds really interesting. Yeah, we're looking forward to that starting. That's something else that's been paused this year, so we're looking forward to that starting up again. So that'll be nice. Hopefully soon. <laughs> okay, that's fine. All right, thanks very much. So uh, that's it. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Uh, uh, I should say special thanks to our uh, supporters on Patreon who, uh, with their money, help us to edit uh, our podcasts. Uh, you will see some of the names of uh, these supporters uh, on the screen in a moment. Uh, and uh, thanks a lot, Rachel. We hope to see you again uh, soon. Uh, bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.